When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Terrio Media. Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Hello and welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. This is the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. And if you're just getting started and or you're looking for new and creative ways of making money in real estate, I've put together a free course just for you, including a checklist on how to find motivated sellers. Those are property owners that are willing and able to sell you their property at a discount. So to access that free course, go to free realestateinvestingcourse.com. Free realestateinvestingcourse.com. Alrighty, got a fantastic show for you today, but first I've got a few announcements. Uh, this Wednesday, I'll be teaching live how to double your offer acceptance rate, and that's on uh, February 15th. That's this coming Wednesday, and that's going to be at the Wednesday Night Club in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's a real estate investors club in Scottsdale. Begins at 5.30 p.m. It's at the Orange Tree Golf Resort. It is open to the public. And you can RSVP at 480-443-4500, 480-443-4500. And tell them you heard all about it here on the Epic Real Estate Investing Podcast. So if you happen to be in the area, look forward to meeting you and shaking hands and talking real estate, talking shop, show you how to double your offer acceptance rate. That number again is 480-443-4500 in Scottsdale this Wednesday, February 15th. Starts at 530. All right. And next Monday, it's time to restart your business, as you should, every 90 days to assure you're not overcomplicating things. We did this back in November, so it's that time again. We're 90 days from then, so we got to do it again to make sure that you're focused on the right activities for maximum impact to your bottom line with the least amount of time and energy spent. This is a structure implemented inside of the Epic Pro Academy. And as a listener of this show, you're invited too. So be here next Monday, and for four straight days, we'll cover what's needed to maximize the efficiency and the profitability of your business. And let's see, last but not least for the announcements, March 17th and 18th, the Epic Wealth Experience and Bus Tour, it departs in one of the more powerful cash-flowing cities in the entire country, St. Louis, Missouri. There are a few, and I mean just a few, seats available if you'd like to join us, go to epicwealthexperience.com and reserve your seat. That's March 17th and 18th. Uh, Grub and Grow Rich on Friday night, March 17th at 5 p.m. 
So you can come out. That's part of it. Come to that at uh, 5 p.m. on March 17th. And the Epic Wealth Experience and Bus Tour, it's Saturday on March 18th from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. It's an all-day type thing. Lots of fun. St. Louis, Missouri. The location is available upon registration. So if you'd like to learn how to establish your financial freedom in as little as just one year, the Epic Wealth Experience will provide the answer. And it's just it's two days of learning and fun. And it's, it's the first step. And it's going to make all the difference for you. So if that's what you're up to and you want to see how to establish your financial freedom in as little as one year, uh, the the two days of learning at the Epic Wealth Experience, that's the first step. And it's going to make all the difference. So go to epicwealthexperience.com. Dot com. All righty. Got a great guest on the phone for you. He's a fan favorite here at Epic Real Estate Investing. And I'll be talking to him shortly. But I wanted to share something with you around probably the most common question that I receive as a mentor, as an educator of real estate investing. And that question is, how do I find the money to invest? Or how do I raise private money? It comes in one of those two uh, forms. Uh, and darn near everywhere I go, in every venue, every gathering, doesn't matter the amount of people, where it's where I'm at, if that's what I'm, I'm there for to uh, share about real estate investing and techniques and strategies and stuff like that, that question inevitably comes up from aspiring real estate investors, and I've answered it so many times, uh, I couldn't even guess as to how many times that's been. And we've covered it here on multiple episodes of the show, and I've held online coaching webinars on the subject. It's it's covered thoroughly inside of the Academy, and I answer the question seemingly once a week inside the uh, the Academy's private Facebook group. And here we are, almost you know nine years into this business, and uh, it's like once a week question at least. And my answer, it's always the same. It hasn't changed. First, find the deal and the money will find you. That's the context. That's the idea. First, find the deal and that money is so much easier to find if you got the deal in hand. It's much more difficult if you go out and look for the money before you got the deal. And so that's the context. That's the the gist. And every guest I've ever had on this show has 100% concurred. And the way that you use your deals after you have found them to raise money is you've got to focus on what's in it for the private money person. If you're going to share that deal with somebody, you've got to focus on what's in it for them. Let them know what they're going to get in return. And if you indeed do have a deal, you won't have to share it with too many people before you have all the money you need to complete it while carving out a nice little profit for yourself. So inside of our private Facebook group for the Academy members, uh, they're constantly sharing their deals in there and uh, or they're asking for sources of referrals for private money, for looking for investors, looking for partnerships. It's a common post in there. But the majority of the posts, they sound something like this. Hey, got a great rental in Milwaukee on a great street. Hit me up if you're interested or PM me if you're interested. Or I've got three properties under contract in Atlanta and I need private money to close. Any ideas? Or I got another one under contract. Ain't she a beaut? Who wants it? Those are the types of posts. And I consistently comment below these posts, reiterating the lessons taught here and inside the academy. Post what's in it for the buyer. Focus on what's in it for the partner or the investor or the buyer, whoever you're looking for. You've got to focus on what's in it for them. Nobody is going to make an investment in a nice rental property on a nice street. That's boring. Nobody cares. That's not an investment. That's a purchase. Nobody's going to make the investment in something like that, not based on just that information, nor will most people even inquire for more information. 
I mean, if you just posted, hey, we've got a nice rental on a nice street, that might be the best you got. That might be the best <laughs> the best news that you can share about that deal. And most people just aren't going to inquire more. You've got to be clear. You've got to make it easy for the person that you are seeking. And, you know, I'm not picking on the people in, in the private Facebook group, by the way. No, I'm picking on all of you equally. But uh, no, uh, what I'm doing is I'm referencing them because it's an easy example and, and I see it daily. So it's just, it's a top of mind. It's in front of my face uh, on a weekly basis. And so that's why I'm pointing it out there inside of our private group. But the, and, and the other reason is the likelihood of people trying to raise private money, the, uh, the likelihood of them doing it differently outside of the Facebook group than they are in Highly unlikely. I mean, how you do one thing is how you do everything. And if that's how you're promoting it inside of amongst, um, you know, a community of your peers and of a community of like-minded people, you know, I can only imagine that's, I mean, that's what you're doing out, outside when you're looking for private money that might not be as savvy or sophisticated or as educated as you are in investing. And so you're not doing yourself any favors by trying to find your private money that way. So here's my point. Last week, a star student, coaching client, and someone I consider a friend uh, I made a Facebook post inside of the Epic Pro Academy's private page, Corey, Corey Kendig. And I'll go ahead and I'll read you his post. It um, says, have 100,000 profit deal locked up near Cleveland, Ohio. We'll consider partnering. Text me and let me know what you can bring to the table. Funds, contractors, buyer. Uh, it's $49,000. It's worth one fifty-five. Okay. So he's got a deal for 49000 bucks. It's worth one fifty-five. Let him contact him. Let him know what you can bring to the table. I love the positioning of this. Now, it's not perfect, but you can hear the difference, big difference from the previous examples that I read to you, right? Big difference. Corey, he's talking numbers. He's talking value. He's talking about how much he needs. He's talking about profit. And although it's it's not perfect, it's good enough to get the job done. And, and here's what I mean. Here are the responses to that post. Paul wrote, hit me up. Saeed wrote, PM me, please. Jason wrote, I'll text you first thing in the morning. Andres wrote, uh, I'm interested. Send me the details. Jeremiah didn't even post and just called Corey directly. And even I wrote, hey, if you don't find here what you're looking for, hit me up. I'll partner with you. And what Corey has done by finding the deal, posting the numbers, is he's positioned himself to dictate what he's willing to give up in the deal. He says, call me and let me know what you can bring to the table. I got the deal. You call me and let me know what you can bring to the table. He has options, multiple options. There's five or six people there that want a piece of it. And this was only after a couple hours the post was live. I haven't gone back to see how many of the posts there are now. But he's in a position not only to acquire private money to do this deal, he's going to have no problem because I'm in line. If he doesn't find it, I'll, I'll do it. So he's in not only in... Um, in a position to acquire the private money to do this deal, he can dictate what he's willing to pay rather than how most people go about it asking private money people, hey, what do you charge? Or Mr. Hard Money Person, what do you charge? What are your rates? No, Corey's like, I got the deal. This is what I'm paying. Do you want a piece or not? Big difference. And, and this type of dynamic wouldn't be possible unless Corey found the deal first. So just wanted to take this moment to share a real life example here in the real world, in our world, in this epic community that we've got here of just how easily private money can be raised. And I'm going to reinforce that, how easily private money can be raised if you put the deal first, then put the private money second. If you indeed have a deal, money will never, ever be a problem. There's no shortage of money out there looking for good deals. 
Alrighty, so well done, Corey. And I know you've got a solution by now, but if you don't, call me and I'll go ahead and we'll, we'll, we'll run this deal together. Alrighty, on the phone, our honored guest of the day, wholesaling extraordinaire and uh, overall good guy, great friend, Mr. Todd Toback. Todd, welcome back to Epic Real Estate Investing. I'm excited to be here, Matt. Let's rock, baby. Totally. I'm excited for you to be here as well. And, uh, you know, we're in a shifting market right now. I want to talk to you a little bit about what you're doing in the market, um, how you're, uh, you know, how, how you're performing at such a high level when so many people seem to be struggling out there. And um, I guess just we'd run down a real quick, uh, I guess, description of your operation and what it looks like today. Because we've, we've had, we had your past and how you got started. We did that last episode. Right. What, what, what does your business look like today as far as real estate goes? Uh, well, my real estate business, we're pretty much 100% wholesaling, right? That's when mm -hmm. we take a contract and we sell that contract to an end buyer, right? We lock that house up for a great deal and uh, we flip the contract for a profit. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's that's my passion because it's the most scalable. Uh, it has the least moving parts, the least complication. Yes, you can make money with other strategies, but I love wholesaling because you can train other people to do it, right? Whether mm -hmm. you're a newbie and you're trying to do this yourself and you're brand new, great, right? Or if um, you know you want to scale your business to six or seven figures, figures, wholesaling is my favorite because um, you know you can cut a lot of the risk out of it. And I, I like to um, you know really brand our company as a uh, sales and conversion, right? We send out a bunch of postcards, do a lot of internet marketing. The leads come in, and uh, we convert them. Right. right now, we've got a seven-figure wholesaling business. We operate in seven cities in California. Uh, mm -hmm. We operate 100% um, virtually, meaning that um, everybody uh, works at home. Uh, we do have an office that I work out of, and people can use it when they want, but um, everybody has home offices. And uh, man, it's a, it, it's a business. It's a cash machine, and I absolutely love it because we can help homeowners and help cash buyers and help the, our team that works with us and make a ton of money in the process. A lot of people hit me up here, and we're actually even experiencing a little bit in our own our own marketing engine. Is the response rate is, is falling a little bit? Uh, you mentioned postcards. You mentioned internet marketing. Are you doing anything differently to to stand out and cut through, or are you just kind of working the numbers still? That's a great question, Matt. And uh, you know, I, I agree. Uh, response rates on direct marketing are falling, right? And so whenever I take a look, whenever there's, whenever there's more competition and I'm in a market, the only way I'm going to beat my competition is to be better, right? I have to, I have to market better, I have to be smarter with my marketing. But most importantly, when a lead comes in, you have to cherish it, you have to, nur uh, you have to nurture it. You have to sell your rear end off um, and, and give the seller a reason to do business with you. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would tell you is that we're really focused on increasing the size of our deals. So in a hot market, right, when there's less inventory and 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 buyers or, or sellers are responding less, you know, notice that your cash buyers are kind of scrambling for inventory. So if you can get a get a property under contract, if you can buy deep enough, um, you could also sell it for a higher price also and make a higher profit. And so that's one of the things I like about a competitive market is uh, when you have the properties, you can control the inventory and just gonna put yourself in a huge advantage. But one of the things that we're really focused on is sales and conversion. When a lead comes in the door, what are you doing to convert it? What are you doing to spend time with the people who really have a real why from the tire kickers? And so um, mm -hmm. really most of our day uh, not selling is spent training with our sales team. 
Got it. Yeah, no, I know that about you. You you spend a lot of time in training, and uh, you know we talk about the the fastest way to scale uh, your business or your income at least. And we've talked about it. You, you know, you can work harder, you can make more calls, spend more money in marketing. You need to be smart about all that, but you got to do more to, to get bigger. What's the fastest way to uh, scale your wholesaling income, do you think, out of all of those? Uh, well, well, the biggest thing is uh, increase your conversions, right? Mm-hmm. And that is uh, actually taking the amount of seller leads that come in the door, right, and converting those at a higher percentage than you are now. That's one of the most important things that you can do. And the second thing is shortening the sales cycle, right? There's there's two kinds of uh, people who do deals, right? There are the the sellers who call and they're laydowns and they'll get on the phone and be like, I'm desperate to sell their house, right? And then there's other people, there's a whole other subset of people, and I'd say this is like 70 to 80% of deals that will kind of be floating out there. And if you follow up with them, you know, three months, six months, 12 months, you know, you might get that deal. And the secret is taking those people who would be a year out and shrinking that down into mm-hmm. maybe one month or two months, helping people come to the decision, using your sales skills to help them come to the conclusion that you're the per- person to do business with right now. I don't know. You don't have to get into the details, but uh, generally speaking, what are the, some of the things that you could do? Uh, well, one so, of the so, things- someone I just asked me the other day is like, how, how do you convince a seller to sell you at a discount? And I was right. like, well, I don't know if you can convince, <laughs> but maybe we're going there. So I, I hate that word. I hate mm-hmm. that word convince, right? Is and th- and by the way, I've heard that a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. you're never gonna convince someone who has who doesn't have a problem to do business with you, right? There's mm-hmm. no if you're not offering any value, um, you know, you're wasting your time. And so what I love about this, and I'll get into this, um, is if you're spending time with unmotivated sellers, it's gonna destroy your confidence. And uh, you're not going to want to be in this business and you're not going to survive, all right? So I would say, well, I think you're, you want to ask me a different question. Maybe you're asking me, um, how do I find the right seller to do business with versus how do I convince a seller to do business with me? Mm-hmm. So part of that, and it's something that I'll get into, is uh, really I've got a 10-step sales system that we use uh, in our own office that really it's it's meant to convert more leads and to sign contracts and shorten the time. But part of that is qualifying your prospects, right? And so mm-hmm. you want to talk to your sellers when you're on the phone and really dig deep. And you want to find out what is their why, what is their pain point? Um, you know, and, and I talk about this um, heavily with my sales team. You're looking for past pain, present pain, and future pain, right? Past pain is like all the um, things that have gone on in the past you know, uh, yesterday all the way back to three years and you bring up, you know, painful memories of, of them under the sink and breaking their back and, you know, having dirty sink water falling onto their face <laughs> in their <laughs> right. rental. Right. Uh-huh. And then, uh, you know, present pain is, Hey, you know, my daughter's living in the property right now and she's not paying me rent. And I just hate that emotion. I can't stand it. She's taking advantage of me and I can't stand it. Right. That's the present pain. And we love to dig that out. And then, you know, we like to focus on future pain. Okay. Well, if we don't do business today, What's your alternative? What's your life look like? How do you feel? Mm-hmm. And so you get them to verbalize, oh my gosh, if I've got to deal with this for another three months, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, maybe me and my wife will get divorced. Maybe I'll, you know, go over there with a jackhammer and kick down the door. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And so once we get people to verbalize that and get them the conclusion that we're the only option, it's checkmate, right? And so you're right. really looking for people who fit that. 
If you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking that you're going to convince a seller that doesn't have a problem to do business with you, you got another thing coming. It's not going to happen, right? So, you know, the other thing is that even if you do convince a seller who's not that motivated to do business with you, you may lock up the contract, but it's most likely a crappy deal and you're going right. to waste your time, right? Crappy mm-hmm. deal syndrome. <laughs> totally. uh, you know, and you think, oh, I'm going to go back and get a reduction. No, that's that's not going to happen. So you're going to waste your time. You're going to spin your wheels. And so you're going to be much better off trying to find really those motivated sellers. And I wasn't going to talk about this, Matt, but since you mentioned qualifying your prospects, there are only three kinds of sellers, right? Mm-hmm. There are the motivated sellers. Those are the laydowns. Those are the ones who are hot to trot, smoking. And if you've spent any time in this business, you know what I'm talking about. Um, They're ready to sign right now. And I don't care what your sales experience, um, you're going to be able to lock these things up. (laughs) Right. Now, if you're better at sales and uh, you know what you're doing, you're a better negotiator, you'll probably be able to buy much deeper than your average Joe. And that's good and that's important. But you know, a, a portion of those sellers fall into that category, and that's going to be probably one to two percent of the sellers who respond to your direct marketing. So, if you send out, you know, uh, ten thousand postcards, uh, you're probably going to, um, you know, get I don't know fifty people calling, and you might get one to two hot deals from that. Mm-hmm. That's in a competitive market like California. Um, then there are sellers who aren't motivated, right? These people have no reason to sell, no timeline. They called off your letter because they're just curious. And this is where a lot of newbies get stuck, Matt, right? They spend all these time with these unmotivated sellers. They stay on the phone. They waste their time. They answer a ton of questions. They beg, please do business with me, right? And they're like, right. oh, you know what? Uh, I haven't been in business. I'm a member of the Better Business Bureau. We make this really easy. You know, uh-huh. uh, I promise I'll close, I'll close, I'll close, right? And then all of a sudden they're like, uh, no. <laughs> right. I mean, you get kicked right. in the teeth and you get punched in the stomach uh, and that's no fun. So if you're feeling that way, you're, you're like, I hate the telephone. I hate doing deals. This sucks. You're probably spending too much time with people in the second category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And you don't want to do that. Right. You don't want to spend time with people who have no intention of doing business with you now. The first sell- group of sellers, I love them, believe me. If I could have a million of those, I would. The second group of sellers don't spend any time with those people. But the third, okay, this is where the gold is, Matt, okay? Okay. The third are people. You ready for this? I'm ready. Who act like they don't have a problem, but they really do. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay? So let me ask you a question, Matt. When right. you go to a car lot, right? You're, you're on the car lot and you're looking at uh, this brand new truck. <clears throat> what happens? Salesman uh, the the salesman me. comes out, says, just looking? <laughs> Can I help you find anything? <laughs> right? I'm sorry, I cut you off, but we, oh. we, we got it out. Um, yeah. So you say just looking. I say just looking, yeah, yeah. Why do you say just looking? Because I don't want to be bothered by the salesman. Because I, I just got there, I haven't seen anything yet, and I'm still feeling my way around. Okay. Um, but what's like that initial reaction? Like you're just looking, but you are interested in buying a car. Oh, yeah, totally. No. Oh, here he comes. He's going to ask me to buy something and, you know, not ready yet. So would I'm, you say there's a little bit of fear and angst? Totally, totally. I'm not playing along very well, am I, Todd? No, you're doing good. You're doing <laughs> okay, good. good. Actually, I'm talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing fine, too. 
we'll we'll encourage each other along the way and we'll get through this. <laughs> no, it's gonna be perfect. No, I get what you're saying. I, I wouldn't have said fear, but that's kind of what it is. It's like. You know, I'm here. I just I'm going to buy or I'm just looking. Maybe I am just looking. I don't know. But it's like I don't want to deal with you right this second because I know you're going to try and push me into something. Right. And so you kind of fold your arms and you hold your your cards close to your chest. Right. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be like, hey, well, when are you looking to buy? Uh, You know, I'm just I'm just looking. But meanwhile, you could be ready to buy a car that day. Right. Mm-hmm. They say, what's your budget? You go like, ah, I don't know. Meanwhile, you know that you're there that. You've already done your homework, and you're not gonna spend more than thirty thousand for a car, um, <clears throat> you know. And and uh, but frankly, you may need a car that day, right? right. Maybe you just right. got into a car accident, and you know you've got to drive to you know some important conference where you're making a ton of money. But whatever reason, you want to get a better deal. You don't want to show your cards, and so you hold that. And so a lot of people act like they're in this third category. Um, and so really, if you're a salesperson, if you're a um, an acquisition specialist, if you're going to offer value, you've got to ask the right questions to flush these out. And mm-hmm. these are some of the tools that I teach uh, using something called a, uh, a stealth uh, a stealth mismatch. Oh, mm-hmm. And so one of the things um, that we'll do is I'll say, hey, Matt, you know, the good thing is you know, you're not really uh, even looking to buy a car today. And I understand that, you know, six months down the line, um, you know, maybe if you're interested, we can talk then. And so, you know, great. Have mm-hmm. a great day. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to push you away with a negative question. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I say, hey, look, you know, I understand you're probably not looking for a car for six months. So I'll tell you what, I'll just let you keep looking. Um, and hey, no problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And so one of the thing of one of two things is going to happen. Either a you're going to be like, yeah, right. I'm not looking for a car. And if you're not looking for the car, if you really are just looking, you're going to stay on that side. Right. But mm-hmm. if you are looking for a car. Right. You're going to kind of loosen up a little bit You're like, well, no, I might be interested today. Why don't we take it for a test drive? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Totally. Yeah. We, we you call it a stealth mismatch. I like that. We call yeah. it. A, I, I call it a release statement. Okay. Yeah. Release yeah. statement. I mean, yeah. I like that too. It's like a little like a, ah, right. Uh-huh. You're releasing. Yeah. It's saying that I like, yeah, we will, I'll do something like, you know, I don't even know if this is going to make sense for you or not. Probably not, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's something I actually learned from uh, Peter Conti and David Finkel. Uh, they used to use that probably mm. not statement a lot. Mm. Um, and that's actually what got me started in real estate. I got it from the Sandler guy. Okay. Was, yeah. It's, a good, it's uh, a good tactic. That's what we're trying to say. Yeah, it's a great tactic. Mm, yep. You know, and so um, you know, part of that is qual- qualifying your prospects. So we use those kinds of questions uh, to to qualify our prospects, and that's actually the second part, uh, second principle of the no limit sales system that we use in our office, Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, the you know the first part of that, and I'm going to get back to that because once you start qualifying your prospects using those kinds of questions, right? So let's say I'm talking to a seller, and I'm like, hey, you know, the good thing is. Um, you know, you don't care if your your son lives in this property rent free for a year because you just want to help him out. And I get that. That's okay. Right. And so he's either gonna say, Yeah, that is okay. I love my son and I want him to stay there for a year, or he might say, There's no way that SOB is staying in the property for another year. Right. <laughs> right. And so I'm gonna use that to qualify your prospects. Okay. And so once you start doing this, you can start getting rid of prospects that don't fit your mold. Right. If they don't fit in the first category, if they don't fit in the third category, if they fit in that second category, which is going to be the vast majority of your prospects, you can move on 
and spend mm-hmm. time with the right people. And mm-hmm. when you do that, you can be very, very confident. And this is the first principle of the no limit sales system, right? Is you got to know that you offer value. Right. You have to know that it's okay for you to buy 65 cents on the dollar. You have to know that you're providing a solution, that you're doing something great for somebody who really, really, really needs you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so if you have your head in the right space, and spending time with the right people and not spending with the time the people not spending time with people who have no intention of doing business with us, right? Then then you're gonna feel great about yourself. You're gonna do more deals, you're gonna to wanna to spend more time on the telephone, you're gonna make more offers, you're gonna lock up more contracts, you're gonna go deeper, right, and negotiate harder when you have a big fish on the line, and that's gonna 10x your business. Mm-hmm. Right. If you just take the same amount of marketing that you're doing now, right, and lock up twice as many deals and um get three times the spread, that's going to exponentially increase your business. That's the difference between going out of business and having a million dollar profit a year. Yeah. The, uh, the confidence that that headspace is, it goes a, a long way. And in the beginning, there's a lot of uncertainty in people's headspaces. And then if they've been beat up a little bit, then they start to lose that confidence and that, yeah, it, it goes down really quickly. Right. You know, so that brings me to number three, uh, Matt, and the five principles that we use is that you also want to be a truth teller and a truth seeker, right? I don't, uh, one of the things that will really help you, and it also meshes with number one and number two, is that you're gonna demand the truth from your prospects. Many new investors are scared to peel back the onion, mm-hmm. right, and find out really, really what's going on their prospects. So when anyone in our, say, uh, our office says, hey, Todd, uh, you know, I've got this seller and he just wants to get rid of it, right? And I'm like, well, what do you mean he just wants to get rid of it? Well, I, why does he want to sell? And he goes, well, he just wants to get rid of it. I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no one just wants to get rid of their property, right? right? Get to the truth, right? Find out, peel the onion. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's part of being a truth seeker. Don't let the, the, the seller off the hook, right? So one of the things I'll ask is, Mr. Seller, um, you know, you said you just want to get rid of it, right? You know, no one just wants to get rid of a property. Let me ask you, why are you on the phone with me instead of just listing with an agent? That's my favorite question. Mm-hmm. Why are you on the phone with me instead of just listening with an agent? Now, some people are scared to ask that question because they're scared of the truth. <laughs> right. I think a lot of people are scared of the truth. (laughs) Right. I think people are scared. Like, oh, that's a good idea. I never thought of it. Let me go call a realtor. Bye. (laughs) And that never happens. That never happens. Well, you know, and sometimes they might, right? Mm -hmm. But well, now you qualify them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you can never kill a motivated seller. You can never kill a good deal. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I guess you really, really could if you absolutely tried. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I always said you can't say the wrong thing to the right person, and that's correct. Really, vice versa. You know, and then part of um, something about being a truth teller, and this is one of my favorite things. They're like, well, why is the price so low? And my favorite answer is I need to be able to make a profit, right? And so if I can make a profit and you could feel good, there's room for us to do business. And if not, that's okay. That's okay, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you could say no to me. That's no problem. And so that's part about being a truth teller. If you tell the seller what you're up to, they say, hey, are you going to resell this to another buyer? We say yes, right? You know, every Mm -hmm. once in a while they say, what's this – you know, concurrent close thing, well, you know, assignment. I go, oh, sometimes I sell it right after I buy it, right? Mm-hmm. We'll tell the truth. And so when you tell the truth, it's so liberating. It'll take your confidence through the roof. You'll be dealing with the right people. And at the end of the day, you'll feel great about your business and your assignment fees will, will jump to the roof. I can't tell you that, um, you know, 
I have a really, really hard time describing a seller who didn't know what their property was worth when they sold it to us. Say that again. I said, I have a hard time thinking about a seller who knew, who didn't know what their property was really worth when they were selling it to us. Mm -hmm. So basically there's no like wool being pulled over their eyes. Let's say we, you know, bought it for a hundred and we wholesaled it for $120,000, right? That seller probably knew that they could get 120 on their own. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they, you know, just because the speed and convenience and wanting to be done with it, they knew that they were taking that discount for just ease and, right. you know, stress-free sale. Right. So um, format is be a consultant, right? One of the things that if you're going to be better than your competition, you have to offer some kind of custom solutions. You have to ask the right question. And so you've got to find out what the seller values more than price. Mm -hmm. This one is huge. Mm -hmm. Right. So sometimes a seller, <coughs> you know, wants, um, you know, their their tenant, son, brother, friend, you know, drug addict, lover to be able to stay on the property 60 days after they close. Right. Right. But nobody is asking that question. Right. They mm -hmm. say, you know, well, what about the occupant? You're like, oh, OK, well, I'll take it with the occupant. Right. And so they'll take it with the occupant. But in their mind you're still gonna kick that occupant out right away, right? And so you're not addressing that solution. But our better question would be, hey, let me ask you a question. You asked me if I would take it with the ocu occupant. Why is that important to you? And just listen, right? And just listen. <clears throat> and so one time we had a seller, um, and, and you're not gonna believe this story. <clears throat> we had, uh, I, I always tell our sales team, never be intimidated by savvy sellers. Okay, never be intimidated by savvy seller. If a savvy seller calls you, there's an emotional reason why they're calling, unless they're just calling to give you a hard time, right? Mm -hmm. So we had the president of the National Association of Realtors call our company and sell us two houses at the same time. The president of the National Association of Realtors. Uh, basically, the story was... Um, he had leased this house out to uh, one was to a family member and the other one was to a family friend and two, the, their two daughters were living in the property. Right. And he and he basically said, hey, you know, I held both of these girls in my arm the day they got home from the hospital. Right. And they were living in the property for like 18 years. I mean, it was a really, really long time. And he goes, I just can't do it. I just can't give him the notice. And I said, OK, well, what do you want? He's like, well, I want you to give him six months to move. And I said, well, if you want six months to move, I'm like, I'm going to need a smoking price, a smoking price on these things. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he said, okay. And uh, ironically, this was a mistake I made. I just shot out an offer without making him mention a number first. Um, yeah, I mean, I gave him a soft pass, but my soft pass, I guess, wasn't deep enough. Cause he took and it right away. He took it right away. Mm -hmm. Right. And I made $50,000 on each house. So it'd be, it was a hundred thousand dollars total. Uh, we gave the tenant six months to move. Ironically, I passed that on to my buyers, right? He moved on. The guy gave us a testimonial. He was happy as a clam. But at the end of the day, he went with us because we allowed the tenants to stay in the property for six months. Because mm -hmm. you asked, why is that important to you? Why is that important to you? Instead mm -hmm. of, hey, I'll take them with the tenants. Mm -hmm. Right. So the last thing, Matt, that I'll talk about today is always push the sale forward, 
All right. So the other part is about like getting more conversions and maybe buying a little bit deeper. But this is the secret. If you find yourself, your deal's kind of floating, right? You keep calling the seller and like, call me next week or let me think about it or, you know, uh, get back to me. Mm -hmm. You aren't, you probably aren't getting the commitments that you need. All right. And you always want to be pushing the sale forward. You want to basically be like a, um, one of those kids bikes, right. Mm -hmm. That can only, um, you can only pedal the pedals forward, right? You can't go backwards. Right, right. Right. And so that's how you want to look at sales. You're only moving the sales forward. You put, want to put a backstop on the sales process. So at the end of every call, no matter where you are, you want to get a commitment from the seller on what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Right. So for example, like a seller will say, Hey, well, let me talk to my tenant. And so what happens is for newbies, what uh what happens often when a seller says they're going to talk to a tenant, Matt? They just say, "Okay, I'll, I'll wait to hear back from you." It was kind of the the mood. I don't know if that's the exact words they would say, but that's what they're thinking. This guy's going to check with his tenants, and he's going to call me back. Correct. And then what kind of happens? Uh, they don't call back. <laughs> they don't call back because they didn't talk to the tenants, right? Right, right. Or, you know, for whatever reason, they were, you know, that situation that's brewing, they're natural procrastinators. That's why they're in this situation mm -hmm. that prevents them from pushing the sales forward. So the only person that's going to push the sale forward, Matt, is you, right? Or us. Mm -hmm. And so um, we're dead set on always getting a commitment at the end of every phone call. So we'll say, okay, so Mr. Seller, what are you trying to accomplish by talking to your tenant? Well, you know, I wanted to see if they were actually interested in purchasing. Boom. And now we got the underlying objection. Right. Okay, great. Well, what do you think would be a fair time to give them to actually purchase the property? Well, 60 days. Okay. So um, do you mind if I ask why it's important for them to give them a chance to buy? Well, they've been in there. I want to give them for a shot. You know, I'm kind of friends with them. All right. So what I'm hearing from you is that you want to give them the chance to buy. You want to give them 60 days. Um, let me ask you this. Are you willing to call your sellers today? Tell them that you want to sell it or excuse me, your tenants today. Tell them that you want to sell it. Um, tell them that you're going to give them 60 days. And if not that you're going to sell it to somebody else, is that fair? Okay. Yes, that's fair. Okay, great. Well, can we have a conversation on Tuesday and we could uh, find out how that conversation went? And if they said yes, okay, we can reconvene in 60 days. And if they say no, why don't we do business? <clears throat> right. And so mm -hmm. they say, Hey, okay, that's fair. So now we've locked in what's going to happen if the tenants don't want to buy and what happens if they do want to buy. There's a very clear, concise plan of action. And now the seller knows he's got to get back to you by Tuesday. Now, does that work every time? No, but it works most of the time, right? And so mm -hmm. when you're doing that, you're giving the seller a roadmap to follow. Yeah, we call it the uh, old expression we use, building for the next event. So okay, very cool. Yeah, yep. you've got a lot of a uh, lot of good nuggets here. Yeah, no, you too. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but uh, I always learn something every time I talk to you, Todd. So we have got um, we, we were uh, talking about being confident up front. You got to be in the right headspace. You got to qualify your prospect. You don't want to spend too much time with the wrong people. Um, you want to be a truth teller and a truth seeker, I guess. Um, want to have more of a, cons a consultative mindset or attitude or air around, mood around the con conversation and pushing the sale forward, always building for that, that next thing, what's gonna happen next, as you put it. Um, yep. Quick quick question, and th th this is a, when you're qualifying your prospects and you get on the call, you, especially with those, those first people that call, 
the first time you're talking to them, what is your method to to sort those prospects? Because you've got three different categories. Um, you know, is there specific questions or certain things that you're hearing for to be able to sort those to know whether to spend more time with them or move on? Uh, well, one of my favorite questions is, it sounds like a great property, right? Why would you consider selling it, right? Mm-hmm. And I learned that from, um, again, Peter Connie and David Finkel, um, where you want to lower your voice, right, where you sound kind of confused, mm-hmm. right? Like, hey, you know, you said that, you know, your grandfather built the shutter boxes over here and there's birds chirping in the back. Uh, I'm confused. Why would you consider selling it? And so a portion of sellers will spill their guts and another portion of sellers will kind of, you know, say, well, I was just curious, Mm -hmm. but you want to dig deep. And so you want to use follow-up questions like, can you tell me more about that? Right. Um, you know, can can you, can you get a little bit deeper into that situation? Right. You know, I'm, I'm kind of getting the feeling that there's more to this than you're telling me. Do you mind sharing? Am I wrong? And so we write all these things down, the follow-up questions, um, you know, in order to just peel back the onion. Now, again, some sellers aren't motivated, and, and you're going to ask those questions, and they're going to not break. You're not going to go the direction that you want them to go because they're not motivated. <laughs> but some, you're going to hear it in their voice. <clears throat> There's a crack in the armor. Right. And so if you sense that crack, right, <clears throat> then you want to – Boom, you know, get your finger in that crack and then wiggle and wiggle and wiggle and wiggle and press deep. Finally, until you're in the root cause and now you got one on the line. This is cool, Todd. This is like a really, uh, I think, untapped area of training for real estate investors. Um, A lot on marketing, a lot on strategy after you have the deal under contract, a lot on wealth creation and building that. Um, Not as much time is is spent on actually converting that lead into a prospect and into an actual deal. Um, and I think that's why you're a testament to why you're so successful and so is your team because you spend a lot of time with them. If if people, I mean, uh, if people want to get more information about that and how to do that, do, is there some place they could learn more about how to be a better converter? Sure. Well, I got a, a three-part video series uh, mm-hmm. on my site that I'd love to give away. Um, it's um, a three-part video series on how to lock up more deals, negotiate larger spreads, and, and literally steal deals away from your competition. And they can go to nolimitsalessystem.com. Okay. Again, that's nolimitsalessystem.com, and you could download those three videos. Um, and uh, again, it'll teach you how to lock up more deals, negotiate larger spreads, and literally steal deals away from your competition. Super. We'll put that in the show notes. William, if you're listening, make sure we get nolimitssalessystem.com in the show notes. Uh, and that's limits, plural. So it's not no limit sales system. It's no limits sales system.com. Got it. All righty. Don't you love domain names? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm gonna, from now on, I'm going to buy domain names with three letters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I just read somewhere that every uh, domain name up to five letters now is taken. Wow. Every combination, <laughs> yeah. Well, shoot, we're almost out of time here. We're, we're actually way out of time. But uh, always get lost in conversation with you. It's always a pleasure, Todd. Please come back again. All the best to you. Um, go to nolimitssalessystem.com. Todd has uh, free access to a, a three-part video series. He's going to show you how to lock up more deals, negotiate larger spreads, and he's going to show you how to literally steal deals away from your competition. Sounds exciting. No, right? No limits. Suck him away. Right? No limits sales system.com. Thank you, Todd. Take care, bud. Thanks, brother. All right.
That's it for today. I'll see you next week on another episode of Epic Real Estate Investing. God bless and to your success, I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. You've been listening to Epic Real Estate Investing, the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the BS in real estate investing education. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to visit iTunes and share your thoughts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time here at Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.